are after me again for a crime I don't even believe it. Yeah, the police are after me again. Yeah, the police are after me again for a crime I don't even believe it. Yeah, the police are after me, my friend. The police are after me, she said. Yeah, held their gun to my head. Somehow I ducked, escaped, and fled the scene. Well, they already ran my team. Yeah, they already ran my team. They pulled me off the train in the Portland rain. Mid-November ain't the warmest ride, and the greener ain't the best place to hide, especially when you're riding suicide. Especially when you're riding suicide. Yeah, the police are after me again for a crime I don't even believe in. Yeah, the police are after me again. Yeah, the police are after me again for a crime I don't believe in. Yeah, the police are after me, my friend. So I got back on when they were gone on the flag at old gondola. Then I smoked the resin in my bunk because the police didn't find it. Woke up in a mountain range, walked to a cold, wet, lonesome pain. And then the time it came to get the fuck off the train because the police are after me again. For crime, I don't even believe it. Yeah, the police are after me again. Yeah, the police are after me, my friend. For crime, I don't even believe it. Yeah, the police are after me again. She said the police, police are after me for being dirty. Trespassing, they hate me because I ain't clean, but I think they're the ones who are dirty. Howdy, folks. Uh, welcome to the show. What's this, up? Yep, this is the Garrett Schalke podcast. I am your boy, Garrett Schalke. That's your boy. Damn right. Boy. And we are once again back in Kalamazoo on a beautiful December day. And I say beautiful because it's not storming like it's supposed to be later this week. I think it's even sunny outside, or at least the sun's shining through the clouds. Yeah, I guess yeah, it'll get through some of that gray drampness there. Mm-hmm. And the voice you're hearing is uh, actually an OG guest. Original. Yeah, because you, sir, were on episode three of this podcast. And what are we on now? Let's see. Shit. I think we're also like 23 or 24. Alright. So yeah. 20 episodes later. Yep. 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 This is an OG guest from way back in the day. He is a traveling folk musician and hat connoisseur right here from Kalamazoo. Though he has performed all around Europe and in uh, North America. South America. Um, Yes, indeed. South America. We will get to that. And and we're lucky enough to have him on because uh, he's currently back in Kalamazoo until next weekend, I believe. Yep. I'm leaving on the 16th, Monday, but I do have uh, some sh- little shows on this upcoming weekend. I don't know how quick the podcast will get out or not, but... Oh, it'll get out there in the quickness. In the quickness? Yeah, I can make it quick. All right. Well, Friday... At 7.30, we're playing at 356 South Kalamazoo Mall with Roosh. Nice. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome back to the show, Charton Code. Woo! You're not supposed to applause for yourself, but yeah, just imagine that. DJ Khaled Air Horns. All, all the listeners out there just clapping. <laughs> yeah, folks, you uh, may know him. Here in Kalamazoo as a musician, as part of the Charton Co. Trio. Also known him as a member of the Scoochani Charlatans. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say, I, I re-listened to like the podcast you were on previously. Uh-huh. Feel free to 
punch me in the face if I offend your sensibilities with my mispronunciations. <laughs> Dude, I am uh, immune to mispronunciations. I was born with like 16 correct mispronunciations of my own first name, so... I assure you, there shall be more. And I'm ready well, for it. Yep, and uh, today we're here to talk about... Uh, just do some quick, do some general catch-up about your latest project, the the Hat Hat Club. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the one I'm really especially interested in, uh, Chile, which you have been yeah. living in. And uh, for those perhaps living under a rock... Or if you're a fan of this podcast, because I kind of know my audience, um, they're going through a little uprising there at the moment. Yep. Just a little one. It's day 52, I think. Yep. But we'll get to that. Uh, Charton, thanks for coming on again, man. Thanks for having me, Garrett. Yeah. Yeah, it's very great to see you again. And uh, how's it been going back here in Kalamazoo? Uh, I've been in Kalamazoo for a month now with my son, Vito Mir. He's three years old. Yeah, we both had our birthdays here, and uh, mainly I've been hustling, selling vintage clothes and patches, selling stuff on Craigslist, Facebook, you know, just to be able to afford being a father and, yep. s- and sending child support when I'm not able to be in Chile and paying flight tickets and such. Yep, and uh, before we even began this podcast, folks... Uh, Charton nearly sold me a coat that I very much liked. The coat I'm wearing. (laughs) Yeah, but, like, the length is right. Uh, Unfortunately, it's not meant to be because you, sir, are in excellent shape. And I am just an unrepentant fat ass. So it it did not work. It was a girth issue, that's what we said. You see, I am not politically correct, and I will call myself a lard ass. Okay, so, uh, yeah, I've known you for a couple years now. Actually, it's going to be coming up on a decade now, I think, with this 2020s coming up. And okay. I follow your career. Yeah. So, uh, as I know, this is kind of a pattern here where you'll come back here for around a month or so. Yeah. Around the holidays. Yeah, uh, I was here last year for three months. And the year before that, I was here for Christmas for a month. So, yeah. There was about six years where I was barely in Kalamazoo, but now it's pretty regularly, at least once a year. Yep, and uh, how, I know you've been performing around here with the Charton Co. Trio. Yeah. You, matter of fact, had a uh, performance today, this morning. Yeah, that was uh, at the Unity Church on White's Road, I think it is. Uh, it wasn't the Charton Code trio necessarily because it was with the backing band of the church but Carolyn oh, Keeble really? Carolyn Keeble plays in that so it was at least two of the three members of the Caraton Code trio so <laughs> yeah how has the performances been this time around well I, we didn't really uh, book many performances in Kalamazoo I wasn't my main uh, focus even was to be performing much here it just in the Month before I arrived, we started to think, oh, we should do something, you know. Because this summer I was six, seven months touring with the Hate Hat Club, so. Ah, uh, that's kind of, how you pronounce it. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, everything's uh, fully flexible with pronunciation. This is going to be a fun podcast. Yeah, but I do remember. Uh, the, so, it's, so the performance level this time is a lot more low key. Yeah, we have a new bassist, Nathan Durham, with us here in Kalamazoo. He's a multi-instrumentalist, 
he's been playing bass and clarinet with us, and uh, it's it's quite nice, you know. We we didn't have much time to prepare or rehearse, but I really like the the sound that we've got going. Uh, I don't know if this Jaritan Code Code Trio is ready to play on a big stage festival in its current formation, but we. We were sounding great at the Grand Traverse Distillery last week, and uh, we played at. Uh, w- w- we're playing next Friday at uh, Friendship Village. It's an open performance uh, for the elderly who live there, but uh, anybody from the community is welcome to come see us there. <laughs> yeah, I did catch you uh, twice actually when you were uh, here after our first podcast mm. when you performed at Tip Top in Grand Rapids and then later at Harmony Hall. Yeah. Oh, it was Tip Top. Uh, Har- Tip we played Top. at Tip Top and Harmony Hall? Yeah. Tip- oh, yeah, t- yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was Yeah, Tip Top was two the years ago. Top. Yeah, t- yeah, that was two years ago that we yeah, had Yeah, man. Oh, Time okay. flies, huh? Okay. Yeah, I don't think yeah, I don't think I caught you last year. When you, when last I, year we started using a loop pedal in the group because I laid down the bass tracks and had the like a, the click the or something. Carolyn still had was doing the rhythm, but uh, it was nice just to be a trio and still have the bass line in the songs. Yeah, anything uh, ma- anything majorly different this time around besides like the new member and well Bert uh, Ebright he's uh, on pause from playing music right now so yeah we're missing uh, the guitarist we had a bassist instead so which uh, I, I kind of prefer to be honest having a bass and drums rather than guitar and drums just it it gives the, it's more groovy I mean the soul of the music is need the bass and drums and the guitar is like uh, key, but it has a role. What I like to be more uh, supportive. Or how, you know, I like bass and drums. <laughs> 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 All right. So, uh, well, I want to do just a general catch up. So, uh, if I remember where we last left off on that fateful day two years ago in <laughs> episode three. <laughs> yep, you were a member of the Scoojani Charlatans. Yeah. And I think you just then put out another album with them. Uh, yeah, well, uh, did I just put out another album with them? What would that have been? Two years ago? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, my accordionist in Hungary, uh, me and him made an album uh, with mostly originals with uh, another bassist and a guitarist. And uh, it was called, well, it still is called Taposi Cicskotans, which was mm-hmm. Hungarian for kind of like, uh, the, how do I explain? Taposi Cicskotans means like poser like wussy dance or something <laughs> like <laughs> uh, because we were playing folk music but like m- most folk music fanatics in Hungary would really like not consider oh. us to be up to the standards or because we're like city people or foreigners that it's the, oh, that's actually like tapos is the food that chickens eat in a factory it's like this corn pellets so they they call like city people taposhi because they don't like 
know how to ride a horse or get like raised eating quality food. They just eat like instant whatever or something like that. So, uh, so, these, was, so these are like some old timey traditionalist types. Yeah, we were kind of making we were making fun of ourselves for we were calling the music and our style kind of like the most offensive folk way that folkloric might people might call our uh, music. Uh, brother, if you would wait like two more years, you could call the album Okay Boomer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. Uh, well, yeah, since then, well, we recorded last year an album with the Kojani Quartet, that's the quartet, because we had a bass player, Bo Bothwell, who's the uh, ethnomusicology professor at Kate College. And that one was uh, live, recorded there. Uh, happy with it, a lot of originals and uh, acoustic sound. But I just, uh, I have a CD that's in the process of releasing right now. We recorded September in Budapest, and it's done. It's mastered, the cover's done, we're sending it in to get pressed on vinyl. It's about to come out on Spotify and iTunes, if that still exists. All that stuff, uh, it's <laughs> called Shang and Shuffle, and I'm more excited to talk about Shang and Shuffle rather than Tapushi Chichkatans. <laughs> no, that's a good point. Let's. No, that's actually a very good point. Let's talk about the stuff you're actually involved in at the moment. It's a bunch of past stuff that is in the past. So, well, the past was Skojani Charlatans. Hey Todd Club is the Skojani Charlatans. It's just that when I'm not there in Hungary, since I had my kid, they formed a new band called Hey Todd Club. Yeah, let's get into that. Uh, and will you just say it one more time so I can pronounce this shit correctly? Yeah, hate. hate. Like, I hate you. Uh, oh, you do? No, I don't, but it's just... Because <laughs> I love you, Charton. You know, it's a H-E with a dash above it, which makes it an A instead of an E. Yep. So it's a hate hot club. Which stands for 6-7 club in Hungary. Other way around, 7-6. Ah. Uh. <laughs> the, U, the YouTube description is wrong man. Oh, well Someone should point that out Yeah, we, let's comment on that Anyways, the reason <laughs> it's called 7-6 I didn't name the band I So what happened with the Skojani Charlatans and Hate Hat Club Is we were on tour in March in California 2019 And we were touring as both of the bands But the music was the same And all the members were the same It's just that we had different old CDs and some different audiences for the bands. Hey, Pat Club was more swing and Balkan and instrumental, and Skojani Sharatans was my compositions and songs that I sing on. So once Hey, Pat Club and me got together again, we were trying to decide if we should be Skojani Sharatans or Hey, Pat Club. We decided that because I'm not always living in Europe, we'll let them continue to be Hey, Pat Club, because they can be it without me, but they can't be Skojani Sharatans without me. So we started to call it Kjartan and the Hate Hat Club, so people would know that Hate Hat Club was going to have a singer and be playing a little different than Swing and Balkan, but uh, song songs of Balkan, modern stuff, we have it all, uh, a lot of influences now in the folk music, besides the pure folk music. Yeah, I'm a- yeah, I have listened to it, and 
yeah, I, since like I said, I followed your career for a very long time now. Mm. And yeah, it's quite a contrast if I had compared the two. First of all, uh, how would you uh, define the music of Hate Hat Club? Because uh, when I look it up, it seems like a, both on like SoundCloud and YouTube and Facebook, you, know, you just can't copy and paste the description. You gotta write a new one, apparently. Yeah. It seems like it's a mixture of uh, Balkan music, gypsy jazz, and the one that I'm really interested in, gyp- gypsy hip-hop, or gyp-hop. <laughs> yeah, um, we were coming up with lots of names, new names for the style, because it's it's a kind of natural fusion of Balkan music and Hungarian music and Romanian and gypsy music, and then we're using hip-hop beats, we're using... Uh, groovy like some latin american rhythmic influences and also just uh a general kind of mm, festival rock sort of uh backing you know putting drums and electric bass and electric guitar to folk songs that never had that um the main thing that we we don't want to do is be like a forced kind of fusion I'm not really into taking folk songs and like trying to make it jazz or, you know, I really wanted the songs to feel like they naturally moved like a evolution of the folk music and not just a fusion uh, of them, not just trying to take folk music and put it into a a format of being salsa or being jazz or doing metal folk music. We wanted it to feel like the songs were just adapting new instruments and fitting with being able to play Friday at midnight at a music festival, which the Haytad Club before I joined it and the Skojani Charlatans before the Haytad Club was with, we were uh, acoustic-based music and people liked to hire us to play at 6 o'clock, something kind of, uh, well, people were eating or in the background or, you know, nice. like, or, you know, at folk music festivals or, you know, it was the slot of being, like, uppity, maybe some, if it was, like, a right crowd, you can go at 10 o'clock, but we started <laughs> to really want to... Well, we have uh, DJs most of the festivals we played are at least 70% with DJs and only 30% live music. So we really want our music to be like catchy and dancey. Yeah. So when it comes to a gypsy jazz and chip hop, are these just uh, terms that you guys have come up with to describe music? Or is there like actually a scene for these things going on? Okay, well, gypsy jazz is definitely has a scene. There's the Django Reinhardt. That was from uh, Belgium. It's called Manouche Jazz or Gypsy Jazz. And uh, the Hate Hat Club was founded as a Gypsy Jazz group. And they played Swing Dixieland and they played Balkan stuff, but with the Manouche guitar, which is what Mm -hmm. Django Reinhardt played. And all the songs, if you listen to their previous album that I'm not on, you can hear this chank, 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 chank from the Gypsy Jazz guitar. So that's very established, and there's festivals celebrating that style of music, and you can dance, swing to it, um, and, a, and a lot of people around the world are now getting really proficient in it. It's uh, got a lot of uh, dexterity and skill, virtuosity to it. A lot of acolytes it. to it, a lot of fans. A lot of, a lot of 
guitarists on saxophone, clarinet, violin, people kind of dedicating their life to playing that specific style. Where hip-hop is our own thing. It doesn't exist, really. And, and we're not 100% jib-hopping, because to be really jib-hopping would be like, we would probably need like a full-time rapper and some and like get more into the hip hop scene but using the uh music of the folklore of Romania and Hungary. So we do our drummer now he studied uh specifically hip hop drumming in London. Uh really? yeah, and he has a great project called HAP, the Harasti Adam project. They're coming out with their second album. It's more uh like uh oh, neo soul and hip hop influenced jazz what they do. Well, they so, got well, the uh, UK has their own type of hip hop. Was it grime? I think it's called. Perhaps, yeah. I mean, this is so the hip hop influence we're looking at is more of the like live, uh, live music hip hop. So with drummer and a band, it's kind of like jazz hip hop, I guess. Um, and so we say jip hop is because we're taking uh, either writing songs with the chords and melodies and style of. Romania, Hungary, Balkans, but we're putting uh, hip hop beats onto it, which is they has never happened can, before. Can I uh, just make one comparison? I'm sure you've probably gotten this before, and I only say it once. So I go go Bordello. <laughs> no, God, gosh darn it! You read my mind. Yeah, <laughs> really? Yeah, I was like, that's yeah, was, the only. <laughs> yeah, I was. So I was about to bring that up. Yeah, a uh, influencer. Uh, hey, well, when I was, uh, when we first met each other, I remember Wait, hearing... You, you met them? No, you, us. You oh, and me. Oh, okay. Uh, I was listening to Gogo Bordello a bit, but I never was, I never was a big fan. I liked it. I was, I was at some parties in the Vine neighborhood or we would, somebody would put it on and we'd all feel like we're like. Balkan gypsy party and we'd yep. dance on the table or something and that was like so cool and I, I think I that that definitely that vibe and that mentality is like everybody has this picture of like Russian or Eastern European and gypsy like this party being like really wild everybody drinking and dancing a lot so I think that for sure Gogo Bordello had a big influence on me without me knowing it, but musically, uh, I never really tried to cover any of his songs, or looked at, I never was really trying to be Gogo Bordello, or have, it it wasn't, it seriously isn't a big influence, unless I really look deeper in the cultural influence that Gogo Bordello had, that probably created a climate where people were more willing to listen to gypsy music or just it probably made it more in style to look like that or do that kind of thing so definitely it had a big influence but without really me being conscious of it okay um, i guess i'll just ask and i personally don't have a problem with this because i'm a white dude from north america and I'm not putting you on the spot. I swear to <laughs> God, I'm not. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, has there been a problem with using the term gypsy at all to refer to your music at all? Well, uh, kind of, yeah. I mean, it's very difficult because in Eastern Europe, uh, Roma, Romani people yep. are uh, 
have a lot of uh, repression. I mean, they were enslaved and freed 10 years later than the slaves were freed in the U.S. And uh, there's a lot of uh, racism against them. Uh, but also part of their culture is about being separate and thievery doesn't have the same kind of uh, it's not really considered a sin in the culture. Uh, so and, and there's just tension, racial tension between them. And the gypsies also like to keep themselves as a different race. And so this, it's a very complex issue of uh, accountability and fault because there are uh, a lot of uh, really poor gypsies who are thieves and there's instances of rapes or attacks and in both ways and a lot of people don't want gypsies in their village or don't think that they're like humans they'll be they'll, I've had people tell me they meet me in a little village and they say oh you're from another country that's fine I like Slovakians I like Hungarians Romanians I like all people but gypsies aren't people Oof. they've said to me this and I as a uh liberal white American when I first was there I couldn't understand what how people could be like this straight up racist and after being over there like, 10 years I see like more of the underlying issues it's a it's a vicious cycle of um, I've been robbed by gypsies uh, more than 10 times so and I, I also uh, like those instances instances with like your van and that yeah, I was robbed in Istanbul in the apartment. I mean, I never been physically robbed like by violence or gunpoint. More like it's you, always more like, like trickery. Leave. Like yeah, like you leave you, and then like an hour or so later you come back and it's cleared out. Yeah, you're you leave, you get pickpocketed or you left your phone in your pocket on the coat or you you left your bag in a room and you're not there. You have got to be the the. I mean, it's the sort of like a, a Robin Hood ish mentality that that a lot of gypsies that I've met have is like if you have more than me then like you sh we should be equal so me stealing your cell phone is just balancing out the inequality that exists so I've sounds I've, legit I yeah I mean <laughs> once you lose your phone and it has all your contacts and your music in it it's really annoying or you know it's it's hard but I I've also I have never. I've always felt like it's some karmic balance. I go to communities learning music, and if I, it's also a way of watching out for your back. If you, if you, most of the time, I've never been like I said physically robbed by violence or like uh, force. And in that way, anytime I got robbed, it's because I wasn't careful enough with my items, I mean, you know? it's just a it's just a shitty thing that unfortunately happens in life. Yeah. I mean, it's not enough to, like, anger you to the point that you want someone enslaved but, uh, or oppressed. So, or speaking about saying the word gypsy, it's complicated because a lot of uh, Romani that I meet, and I've asked them about this, they prefer to be called gypsy because they're like, that's, I, just call us whatever you call us in your language. Like, in Hungarian, it's called Tsigan. And Tsigan is derogatory too and gypsy is the English word I mean you would go to Transylvania right. they even just they know that they're called gypsy they're just like that's the word that you use in English for them so and I made a documentary which was going to finally be released next summer oh, it's really? called wannabe sigan it means like a wannabe gypsy um, and I had backlash 
only from uh, Western sources. So uh, mostly people who are academically or highly involved in Romani music from the U.S., from France, um, from Belgium. Were the only people who had no Hungarian came out and told me they had a problem. I mean, also you can look into the power dynamics of it. Maybe it's only people who have more power who are willing to confront you about this issue because uh, uh, Romani don't have the privilege of even wanting to argue about what to be called. But So it's really highly debatable for me. I... I will use I will use the word gypsy or Romani depending on my audience to best communicate what it is because I find uh, since there's not many Romani people living in Michigan there's really an, if I was to call my music Romani music I'd have to educate everybody to what a Romani is in the first place. Well, I have a surprise for you, Charton. You see, I called you in on the <laughs> basis that we're going to be podcasting, but. Surprise, this is an accountability process for your <laughs> use of this work. <laughs> well, yeah. I just wait, I just, I've been very offended all this time by it. I just had to wait for you to come back to Kalamazoo to do this. <laughs> really? Yeah, we're here to talk about your privilege. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, let's talk about uh, the Hate Hat Club, the transition. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, honestly, as I know you from the Charlatans, you know, very, very, fo- very much folk music. Yeah, and uh, very straight laced. I mean, right now you are very fashionable. You're rocking the vest, nice shirt. You know, you got the hat, and of course the coat that you try to sold me, but I'm too fat for. But yeah, uh, quite a, quite a switch up, both in music style and even in your personal style. We switched over to Hate Hat Club. Yeah, a little bit more grungy, a little bit more punk. Yeah. Yeah, uh, how was that transition for you from genres to, I guess, even lifestyle, maybe? Well, 2020 is around the corner. Things are, like, uh, really heating up in the world. So part of it was that there'd been this nostalgia since maybe 2005 for the 20s or the old times, going back to the farm and all the... And, and getting away from rock instruments like bass guitar, electric guitar, drum kit, since it was like we wanted to return to our roots and we were looking to uh, the styles of the past as like a hope for the, the better ways or natural materials and how things were made better in the past. And now uh, it's just for the, to get a nice vintage clothes is... Uh, it's harder because they're older. They're falling apart. That's one thing. Another thing is, uh, I, I, uh, being more conscious of uh, revolutionary things, and also not. I I tried to. I wanted to just like break out of the the mold I'd gotten myself into of being like this vintage folkloric band and. Uh, join into the modern scene. Uh, connect my music more to like uh, the w- people who like to go and listen to electronic dance music or uh, rock music. Yeah, I mean, it's it's also that this 
folkloric vintage thing started to be like a museum thing where people would look at us and like see it like a theater or you couldn't really relate. You could feel the music in yourself, but there's, I needed to bring it into the modern time as well. Like, and also feel that we were not just recreating the past, but that we were uh, being our own culture. So I started to like want to really feel like I was my music and I wasn't just an American going to Hungary pretending to be a gypsy playing some old music wearing these clothes from a different era um, and and it was just also one reason is I'm uh, starting to bald so I my hair it was long it looked like crap so I decided to <laughs> just bleach it cut it into a mullet and just like embrace the like crappy haircut to like the fullest level yeah. how, I, how old are you i'm 29 holy shit you're young still i'm 32 and i miss my youth <laughs> um yeah you know i got tired of wearing uh these dress shoes every time especially i'm traveling around they get worn out i just put on some sneakers some yeah, jeans they're uh, not they're not very good for rambling around with pretty much yeah well, the main thing musically was I was pushing for, I had been like anti-electric guitar, bass, drums, like I already said, and this time I was like, let's use it, but just like, now we've had this eight years of training in the folkloric way, we're not going to just be like a rock band trying to play gypsy music or Hungarian music, we're going to be like a band that learned to play folk music now learning to play rock instruments and so that gives their, our perspective a total different that's ex i wanted to avoid being that rock band who wants to try to play music from east europe but the other way around i feel like uh i i did enough training with the folkloric way that then i started to learn electric bass and our acoustic guitar started to learn electric guitar uh, the, and the drummer, we really worked with a lot like about how to play in each song. We really tried to make each song work with these instruments. Yeah, well, and that's what happened in the 90s in uh, the Balkans and in uh, Romania was that musicians started to get their hands on keyboards, drum kits, electric guitars, electric basses and started using them how they saw fit to their music. So we're basically just doing the same thing. Yeah, what's your position in the band? Like, what instruments do you play? Well, I uh, switched to electric bass from violin, and I sing. So my position is I'm the front man. I talk to the audience, uh, I sing 90% of the songs, and I sing in Romanian, Hungarian, English, uh, and Roma, the gypsy language. Wow. Well, this is gypsy hip hop. Do you rap? I I do rap. I rap in English. I have written. Uh, I, there's a there is a rap on the album. Yeah, you. Uh, yeah, it's actually. I I don't know. Is it a single? Because I know you made a music video for it called uh, Melon Boy. Oh, the Melon Boy is not a rap. That's the song. Oh, but, it isn't. Yeah, I mean, I. Really? What'd you do last night, Melon Boy? Yeah, that's a. Yeah, I that's, got like a, a straight up rap where it's no melody in the voice and it's just like. Okay, this <laughs> I have got to listen to. Yeah, yeah, it's on the album that we could listen to it like hypothetically right now. 
Well, <laughs> actually, I shall insert that in in five, four, three, two. This moment to dedicate this song to all the members of the Haytag Club Pito Llanos, Bali Mochari, Isaac Misri, Harasi Adam. What's up in the club? Budapest, represent. You didn't know what hate hot means? It means 7 6. Now you know. Airbnb, rent control, pay the fee. No space left for the homeless to be. Tell the truth, don't disguise it in white lies. Fuck police, what matters is black lives. Tax the rich for schools and libraries. No new wars, Iran's not the enemy. No fake news hidden disguises. We're in the midst of an ecosystem crisis. Life's a big boomerang, trash it, leave us, they throw out, come back, now you can feel the pain Religion is fiction, I believe in a bigger bang Smash the system and life's no computer game We only got one, no resets or try again Fix the glitches, reprogramming climate change Please, uh, singing, shuffling up in the zone 90 in, 90 out, where the money at, where we go Hit hot. <laughs> 
should just run down uh, to the car. We could listen to it. Then you'd have... Uh, no, no. It'll be... Trust me. It'll be better if I, like, insert it in there. Because that, that yeah, would yeah, be yeah, the I mean, actual song. Totally. And yes, we are recording again. Because back in the day, I would just, like... Like, like when you were first here, you had to go to the bathroom. Yeah. I just left it on and then came back. Then it's like, I had to go in, go in and cut it up. Yeah. Now it's like... Okay, just stop it, then insert the song, and then do that. Yeah. That's my creative process. And we're back. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Okay, so, uh, so we were talking about that. So, uh, how has the reception been for uh, the Hate Hat Club so far? Uh, we've been doing a lot of social media, too, posting, and, yeah, we've, in Hungary, uh, we've, pretty much entered the festival scene in the bars I, I think it's fair to say we're one of the pop bands of the underground okay and uh you mentioned that before you joined up with them that they had an album out before yeah it's called Balkanoush it's about the mix of Balkan and Gypsy Swing okay so like what are the differences between the previous album and the current album you Oh, besides you being in it, of course. Uh, well, Balkanoush has a tuba as the bass, and it's all instrumental. It has two uh, original songs on it, but it's mostly about mixing swing and Balkan, and it's instrumental, and no drummer. It's got a Django Reinhardt Manoush guitar on it. Now, the Schengen Shuffle has got... Electric bass instead of tuba. It's got a drum kit. It's got an electric guitar instead of an acoustic guitar. Um, and I play violin a little bit and I sing. So all of those five things are different. The thing that's the same about the album is the accordionist, Pito Janos, and the saxophonist, Valentin Monchari, are on it. That's the only two same things. But you can hear... we. We still perform some of the more Balkan songs from that older album. Yeah, I gotta say too, uh, I was looking at the album cover, and where did you guys get the get the idea for that? Cause, the uh, Hate Hat Club logo, you mean? The H-E-T-H-A-T, or the album uh, the, cover for the, Shang and Shuffle? Yep, the, yes, the cover for that, because okay, uh, so, it, it reminded me of like old-timey punk covers, like the Dead Kennedys, I think, had an album cover similar to that. Well, I gotta tell you what Shangen is. Schengen is the zone of Europe that's it's the agreed upon open borders of Europe. So that means that between France, Spain, Italy, Germany, Sweden, Hungary, Czech, it's open. You can go without passport control, and you also have a ninety-day checkpoints or anything like that. Some well, since the immigrant crisis, they've had more checkpoints, but it's not like any official borders where you need a stamp in your passport. You get it one stamp when you enter as a US citizen for a ninety day tourist visa for the Schengen zone. Now yeah, that if was you weird the first time I had to deal with that. I didn't understand it. I went to another country in Europe and I was like Zach, Zach come hither. Please <laughs> no, I I don't mean to butt in. I'm just saying <laughs> I knew what that meant and yeah, it's it's confusing for US people Unless it's explained, because it makes them more like the states, so you can just travel freely. Exactly. So, like, okay. Schengen Zone is basically like <clears throat> the European Union states. And then there's countries that are like Puerto Rico, 
They're part of the EU, but they're not in the Schengen zone. That's Romania, Bulgaria, Croatia. Mm-hmm. And then there's places like Mexico, Serbia. It's not part of the EU or Schengen zone. So we go travel between all of those countries. We crossed in and out of Schengen zone maybe 10 times or more this summer. Really? And also the musical style is that we're playing eastern music so outside of the Schengen zone and then we're playing inside the Schengen zone to inside Schengen zone audiences but also with western instruments so it's kind of a <coughs> east meets west aspect and um, it's the shuff- the Schengen shuffle I, I had a dictionary definition of, for it, for, for the album. It's one, the main Schengen shuffle is people who get 90-day visas will go out of Schengen zone to extend their visa a little longer. <laughs> and another part of the Schengen shuffle is people who live in Romania or the Balkans will come into the Schengen zone to make more money because they have a higher minimum wage. So it's a seasonal, you come to work for six months and you go back to really? your family. That's a Schengen shuffle. And then the other Schengen shuffle is that it's a dance. What, it, what mixes the folkloric dances of Hungary and Romania and the Balkans with hip-hop and mosh pit and <laughs> <laughs> salsa uh, mashup. It's a shuffle um, of all those styles. And then, yeah, it's the musical combination when you take Western styles and you mix them with Eastern styles. Uh, uh, this question just popped in my head and... Uh, I just, I'm just curious. Uh, uh, has uh, has the whole mess with uh, Brexit done anything to the zone at all? Um, the, since you, that crisis is still going well, on? Well, Britain is not part of the Schengen zone, and it never was. So it hasn't really changed. Can, you could go to Britain and leave the Schengen zone. Where Ireland... Uh, no, yeah. Ireland's also not Schengen zone, I believe. There's there's different you can be EU and not in the Schengen zone. And you can be in the Schengen zone and not EU. Switzerland and Norway are part of the Schengen zone, but they're not part of the EU. Okay, I guess uh since you've been hate hat club and have been living in Europe, ha- has a uh, Brexit affected you or anyone around you at all? Mm, not really. Personally, okay. uh, because we don't go to Britain, but there is, yeah, it's affecting people because a lot of people go to work in England, but it's kind of been, uh, nothing's really happened yet with Brexit. So there's been no finalization. So things are still as they were. Oh, okay. At least when I was there, like Brexit has not been finalized. Yeah, it still hasn't. Right, yeah. so there's no, so everything is still was functioning like it was before regarding going in and out of the country. Everything's just still talk. Okay, then uh, let's get back to the album then. Uh, okay, so uh, like, what was the recording process for the album? Is it was it like any different than what you do with the Charlatans, particularly? Um. Yes. We we had a sound engineer. I mean, I think pr- it is different. The last time I recorded with Skojani Quartet in Kalamazoo, we did it all in three hours on the stage 
at Kalamazoo College. And the album before that, Tapashi Chishkatans, we spent three weeks with a DIY uh, recording studio in a squat where my friend, who doesn't know really how to do uh, sound engineering, was working it. Or, or, and we didn't have it. It was mastered by a freaking online computer program mastered it. So this was... It was not top level and before that we were always doing DIY and like uh, live right. recording so this there you one, go DIY lo-fi indie yeah I mean uh, the now the last recording is uh, was done we were each in separate rooms and we recorded live together the tracks and then we did like three takes um, and then we would uh, edit if there was a mistake somebody could go in and redo their part but it was on top of what we had already done and then I did the vocals after everything had been recorded um, on top of the the song and then we spent well, we did it in September we went in for two full days and then we came back in the end of September and did uh the fixes that we'd listen to that we need somebody wasn't happy with the solo or somebody we needed a different rhythm there and then we've spent the last since September kind of editing and then now we just mastered it it's it's ready you can hear half of the album is on SoundCloud now um, so you can go listen to that but it's coming out really soon the full album but I'm going to give you a uh, an advanced copy Ooh. so that you can listen to it and you can play some tracks from it on this That's podcast. <laughs> okay, and uh, so we talked about a little bit about the reception. You're already uh, performing in clubs at festivals. Yeah. Yeah. How's it been uh, outside, like in the rest of Europe? Uh, you mean with the, f- what, with the festivals or with being in Europe? Or, well, yeah, yeah, is it... Have you guys reached out to any other countries? Oh, uh, so we're mostly known in greater Hungary. That means like where Hungarian people live, which is also in Romania and Serbia. We we are probably our we have festivals organizers now that we we know people who own bars in Hungary, and we we, uh, we got connected to the Gulash Disco, which is on an island. Off the coast of the Croatia. Gula- the Gulash Disco? is a festival. It's really great. It's on the beach and off the Croatian coast. And, uh, it, has, that, it has nothing to do with the popular American meal, goulash. Well, goulash is the Hungarian dish. It's ah. a kind of uh, stew. And also they eat... There, goes, there goes my bad food pun joke. <laughs> so in it, def- it has the, oh, everything to do with... Uh, the dish because goulash is like a spicy stew that is from Hungary but is eaten all over the Balkans in Germany so the reason the festival is called goulash disco is because it's like a mix up spicy mix of different flavors from different countries and mixed together so but with the Balkan flavor that's kind of really what it's saying oh okay yeah all right and uh as I mentioned, you guys have a music video out for the album so far yeah. called Melon Boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a very energetic, interesting music video. Uh, 
Where where are you guys at exactly? In that we're area? at the Takatuka Island Festival. It's a little island that's owned by our friends in Budapest, and it's an hour north of Budapest on the Danube River. It's about it's eight hundred people go to this festival every year, and uh, it's really small, mostly nature on the island. They've only built. There's no real buildings there. There's just a, a stage and some kind of huts and tents and yeah that's where we, there's a you can see us uh getting on a boat you have to take a boat to get there it's like a seven minute boat ride and it's uh takatuka and goulash disco are our favorite festival yeah is that like a sandbar area that you were in yeah there's a little beach at the tip of the island where the river moves around it yeah and uh all right, the song is called Melon Boy. Is there like a particular deeper meaning, or is it just a really fun song about boys that eat melons? It's mainly, it's, uh, it's <laughs> secretly, shouldn't say this on the podcast, it's because our saxophonist had a month of uh, really noxious and bad farting when he got to California. I don't know if it was because Ooh. his first meal was at... Uh, Burger Joint, what's that place called? Really popular. Burgerville? No, it's out in the West Coast. Uh, um, White Castle? No. Man, I can't remember. But it's it doesn't matter. He had these... And my accordionist grew up on a farm where they made melons. One summer, they didn't sell. And they had this huge, rotting pile of melons. And they, the farts of our saxophonist smelled exactly like... <laughs> Rotting melons. Was he uh, very excited to eat this? Like he never got this in his own country? I don't know. He, he, there was something about being in the U.S. for a month that made him have really <laughs> bad farts. And they were happening all the time. It start, We started calling him Melon Boy because it smelled like he had a rotting melon in his belly. But hey. then Melon Boy is also a really sexy guy. And uh, he's... Uh, he's... He's kind of a, like a boy toy to a lot of girls in Hungary. So we started calling him Melon Boy for his farts, but it just changed into like, but he's a sexy dude. And so, <laughs> we, yeah, you know, we, and we liked the idea of us playing on a big pile of melons. We really wanted to go to Romania where there's uh, some Romani, some gypsies who specialize in selling melons in the summer and they'll have huge piles of melons watermelons and we wanted to go play on a pile of watermelons but well you did get a lot of watermelons that we video. got i think 60 watermelons we wanted like that's a lot of watermelons we wanted a mountain of watermelons but that, you know that we, is a mountain i would say it was a little mound not a mountain a mountain is a mountain well tell me um how how does it feel to get a watermelon smashed on your head like that Oh man, it's good. Because <laughs> that didn't make me flinch, but then I don't know if like European melons are softer. Oh no, they're hard. We had all of us concussions after the music video. Very nice. That that shows how real you are as musicians. <laughs> Alright, so uh, you got the album coming out. You got the dank music video. You're performing. Yep. So, uh, eh. Anything going on with the near future? Are you still is there still extensive plans to perform with the Hate Hat Club? Yeah. All right. I'm going back to Chile. 
I'm going to try to keep doing some solo project. I mean, with I'm going to try to work with other people on uh, other styles of music, some original compositions, more dealing with political matters. I have one song out on my SoundCloud that I made there uh, just a week or two after the revolution broke out, and it kind of is explaining what happened uh, yeah, well, in Chile. I think we should listen to that now. Yeah. Indeed, we will. Um, very good. You, uh, you're the one that decided to make this stop point. <laughs> so yeah, let's listen to that one, shall we? In Chile, a billionaire president pushes austerity while the military represses protesters. Thousands have been arrested. Knowing Chile's history, this is very dangerous. The solution here and across the world is obvious. Put power where it belongs, with working people. It was not just teenagers evading metro tickets. It was not just juvenile acts of vandalism. It was not just high school students in rebellion. The youth rose up, not to save four cents more. They did it because their mothers and fathers could not rebel. They did it for the people killed, imprisoned, and silenced. They did it for all those who could not get up. Left with the looming threat of a bleak future, teenagers took a stand, disabling the metro system. With no means to profit, Metro Incorporated suspended all operations, thus forcing Santiago to a full halt, sparking the catalyst of revolution. Y el pueblo está en la calle pidiendo dignidad 
el pueblo, y el pueblo, y el pueblo donde está, y el pueblo está de calle pidiendo dignidad, y el pueblo, y el pueblo, y el pueblo donde está, y el pueblo está en la calle pidiendo dignidad, y el pueblo, y el pueblo, y el pueblo donde está, y el pueblo está en la calle pidiendo dignidad. And we're back in like a nanosecond. There you go. You know what? Let, let's get into that. Uh, okay, so after this, you are going back to Chile. Going back to Chile for two months. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to try to be doing some other projects, see what I can get into. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. I think I'll make some more solo songs and do some uh, videos uh, or maybe even play with another band. We'll see. Yeah. But uh, after that, Hey Tad Club is going to Brazil, February and March. Nice. And then we are going back to Hungary for April and May. And then we are uh, going to Canada. Holy shit, you're actually able to get back in there? I am applying for my rehabilitation Okay, because uh, if I remember on the last podcast, we were talking about where you've toured in North America, and uh, unfortunately, you could not legally go into Canada due to like some, I don't know, graffiti that you did here. No, back in it was the day. Uh, I ran from the police uh, oh. for entering into East Hall here at Western Michigan's campus, <laughs> and uh, running from the police is a felony. So, Can apparently, Canada does not like you running from the police. The, Go figure. Yeah, you can't run from American police for entering a I building mean, that's on the property of the can't the university what you pay to attend. I mean, really. I mean, if if you see the way American cops are, you think they would understand why you want to run away from them. But yeah. Oh well. Well, that but, should get sorted out with just some so paperwork and some money. So really, you can get back into some place that you're barred from. Yeah, it's a, you have to apply for. Uh, oh, okay. It's you have to prove that it's been a certain amount of time it's passed, and you're you rehabilitated. You have one chance to apply and succeed. It's it, it's been over ten years now, so you're good to go. Pretty. Now let's just forgive and forget, bro. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you know, last podcast we mostly talked about uh, like you know your performing travels in like Europe and North America. But yeah, I don't think we ever really talked about Chile or just South America in general. Yeah. We glossed over a little bit. So I have so I have to ask, uh, how did what was your first experiences in Chile like? Like what attracted you to the country? What attracted me to Chile was that I got a Chilean woman called Vika pregnant in Mexico and uh, we were originally going to be driving a car down to Chile together, but uh, we got pregnant in Mexico, moved to Germany, but she decided that she was going to be better supported 
by her family if she moved back to Chile. So I was attracted to Chile about not being a totally absent father. That's legit reasoning. <laughs> You're a good man, Charton Code. Okay, and uh, how often do you live there? Um, well, I lived there for about nine months for the first nine months a year for the first two years of my kid's life. Now he's three, so this last year I was only there for about three months. So I ranges between three to nine months a year, but it looks like I'm going to be spending. More like three months a year there. Okay, and uh, yeah, how how is life in Chile for you then? Usually, well, I was trying. I went with my accordionist first time, and we tried to make the Skojani Charlatans happen down there. But uh, there's just not the same kind of uh, uh, need for Hungarian, Romanian folk music there, like there is in Hungary or and anywhere in Europe. Generally, yeah. It's, well, it's it's harder to be a musician down there too. There's just like a lot of great musicians and not a lot of shows happening. So we made most of our money playing on the bus. Like the bus. Yeah. Like you were busking on a bus. Yeah, like you wait at the bus stop, you get on, you play for like three stops, and then you go around really? with your hat, and then you jump off the bus and get on the next one. Okay, you go all around the city like that. Okay, that's cool, because I've seen busking, like, in Chicago on their subway, the CTA. Yeah. I've never heard of, like, busking on a literal It's kind of like surfing, because these buses are really fast and they break. So we're there with our violin and accordion, just like, you, you're standing there, like, with your legs spread out. And I've had times where we, like, get knocked down or slammed into somebody, or you just <laughs> kind of, like... Uh, Get on there and start getting really good at balancing to play, <laughs> play while it's moving like that. But, uh, I mean, we were making, like, we could make, like, $50 a day doing that. It was, but it's a pretty hard day's work. All right, uh, how about we get to the meat of the matter here? Because, uh, like I said earlier in this podcast, if some of you have been paying attention to the news, um... There's some shit going down in Chile right now, to say the least. Yeah. Yep, there's uh, currently protests slash uprisings slash revolution going on, which uh, which I believe it's about uh, in the over 50 days going right now, going strong. Mm-hmm. And uh, what, what is it about? Basically, it's a backlash against neoliberalism. Uh... When the dictatorship was put in, in the early 70s, Pinochet, they brought in a team of economic uh, scientists called the Chicago Boys, and they established, uh, they privatized everything uh, because they assassinated their socialist uh, leader who wanted to uh, make the country... uh, the goods, the resources, copper and ocean public, uh, so that everybody would profit from that. Rather than, uh, right now, it's mostly nine rich families in Chile 
that own everything, and then everything else is uh, U.S. and Switzerland and Spain and France, some other countries that get the money uh, for their natural resources. It's uh, it's post-colonial. Uh, it's still fighting colonialism, post-colonialism, neoliberalism. So it's about uh, people are getting pushed and pushed out of their right to anything. So water, the you can see that the farmers aren't even able to access the water around them and there's droughts with their crops and they the water is just going to Nestle or something. And uh, that's actually what's happening here in Michigan. They're taking our water. Yeah, so it's about the people should be that live in a country and use the resources should be the ones who benefit from them and have access to them um, and that was in the cities they they were rising the prices of the metro multiple times that year and uh, it it's the same kind of conflict we see where the minimum wage doesn't get higher but rent gets higher and so the prices in Chile are really expensive for the amount that you earn. I mean, I uh, buying a car costs two or three times more the price than here in the U.S. And rent is about the same as in the U.S., but uh, the minimum wage is much lower. It's about $2 an hour. So it's really... And the metro ticket costs about a dollar to ride, uh, and it lasts for an hour. So sometimes you have to buy more, and it's... A dollar is a lot when it's two dollars an hour is the minimum wage because you need to basically work for one hour just to go to work and come home. Well, and what, it, what are the conditions of the metro? Like, now? Or, yeah, like, do they try to justify, like, oh, we have to upkeep it, so we're going to raise the prices? Yeah, the funny thing is that the it, I'm not 100% uh, uh I don't know everything about the way the system of the metro works, but it's a, it is a public, it's a government-run agency like the Postal Service here, but uh, it's maintained by private companies, so the taxes of Chile pay for the construction of the metro system and pays for all of the workers, all the profits generated. Uh, go to private companies then. Uh, so it's kind Oof. of... It's somebody's making the money, but that money is not being used to for the metro system. It's, it's just somebody's going to somebody's pocket. So Kind of like here in America. We kind of got a similar setup. Yeah, exactly. I mean, America is also a neoliberal-run country. We don't... It's Everything's privatized. Prisons and... Resources. I mean, you see what happened in Bolivia is about the lithium, uh, and Chile has lithium Oof. too, and copper, and the whole coastline has been sold. I mean, part of the neoliberal policies is during uh, liberal leftist democratic candidates, they had their first woman president. When she was the president, they established some more health care for everybody, more things for education, so all of and and more rights for women. So everybody was feeling really like that they had had a victory for the people, for the for 
all yeah, these things kind of... like Obama, but at that time that was when the government sold the entire coastline of Chile, which is uh, really long. It's mo- it's <laughs> longer than the coastline of the U.S. Yeah, it's a coastline. The whole country is a coastline. They sold it all, so the whole coast is private now. There's no public areas. I mean, yeah, the, each city's got you can. Go, they don't have it like barbed wired off, but somebody owns owns it yeah. all. So, uh, were you in uh, Chile before this like started these these uh, uprisings? Yeah. Well, the climate of Chile has been that the students are really active about protesting for these issues prior to this huge uh, uprising. I say, did you like see any signs that this was going to happen? When you were living there? Well, I mean, the school that my wife goes to is always getting occupied or shut down. And there's always protests where roads are closed. Uh, But nobody knew, saw the sign that it was going to be like this huge thing. It was started, it was going to be, it started in a woman's high school that they were going to just boycott the rise of the metro ticket and they were going to everybody was going to storm one or two metro stations at the same time and just not pay just as like Mm. an act of resistance and that was wednesday october 16th and october 17th and like a lot of the high schools got on board you we saw a week before it happened i was on i have a lot of friends posting on instagram and facebook posters that, that this was going to happen the the resistance against the metro ticket fair. But on Friday, it just blew out of anybody's imagined proportion because every high school student was at the metros destroying the ticket-collecting uh, devices, all of the security, basically the doors that keep you from getting in if you don't pay the fare. And it was a lot of like uh, small destruction that went on. But that everybody saw that happen, and then the city was like, uh, shut down, the metros weren't working, and it got everybody riled up, and then there was a huge protests by everybody just joined in with it, and uh, yeah, the, that weekend, the 19th and the 20th, uh, you could, there was the military in the streets and battles going on everywhere, and the yeah. Chileans are really uh, experienced with dealing with riot police and tear gas, uh, so it wasn't like people were prepared and they've been like this for generations so you have grandmothers screaming out windows paco culiao which means like fuck the police <laughs> no, you have you have like every, you have older people banging on pots and pans and younger people doing it and everybody that i saw is like really uh big support of this uh, revolution. But there is uh, the military class of people who, uh, the police and the military, who during the dictatorship fought with the dictator to kill thousands Pinochet. of people. Pinochet. Yeah, so, and uh, there's uh, there's been a big tension ever since then between the military and the common people because the anybody who serves in the military gets free education and they get... Uh, free housing so there's a whole district of the city that's got houses built for military and police so for the military and the police it's socialism but for everybody else it's not (laughs) uh, one of my favorite sayings was like socialism for the top one percent 
rugged individualism for the rest of us. Yeah, what's the difference? What's something that's uh, seen differently for rich people and poor people? And that's uh, getting money from the government. <laughs> if you Corporate welfare. If you get money when you're rich, it's a good thing. And if you get money when it's you're a poor, it's a <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, uh, so what, have, what, what has your personal experiences with the protest been? I was on Friday going to my local metro stop to pick up my nieces and nephews so they could have a sleepover at my house with my son. And uh, that's I was there when the high school students were destroying my station. And I just stood there in between it all. There was not enough police force to deal with it. So there was four police shooting tear gas into the crowd of the high school students. And it was all boys and girls with their faces covered in their school uniforms uh, going into the metro and back and forth when the police arrived. Because there was a time when there was... It was synchronized attack on the metro at like five four thirty five o'clock when school got out that the the police weren't ready for and so I saw them destroying the metro system and then I saw four police arrive and start shooting them out uh, and I didn't see anybody really get hit with any objects or hurt but uh, definitely a lot of smoke and people not able to see and crying. And then uh, I was there just, like, uh, kind of not running away, but not going to, like, throw stones at the police, but just kind of there in case somebody did get hurt or just to be, like, uh, witnessing it. I made some videos. And then the next day, uh, Saturday, the 19th, October 19th, I went out to the street in the nighttime as it starts to get dark and just went pretty close to the... The battle, the local, there was localized battles all over the city. So each neighborhood had its own uh, riots with the police um, driving in. And uh, it's basically people will gather and then the police come to disperse the gathering with violence. And then the people will fight back against the violence of the police. Uh, I mean, there there is some destruction of uh, signs and advertisements, people's anger towards the businesses and companies. So you don't see people destroying people's homes or destroying small businesses. You see people destroying, like, uh, billboards and government uh, property because of their anger of that uh, and uh, metro stops like uh, the bus stop signs and this kind of destruction was happening, but there was no like uh, violence in t- in between the people. It was uh, and now there's still protests all the time, and every weekend is a huge one with millions of people attending, and there's still battles between the police and the people. But what they're doing is the people who are fighting the police are creating a barrier around the crowd of a million people so that they can gather because the police's aim is to disperse the gathering of the people. Well, well, I looked up uh, some stats this morning when I was preparing all these very professional questions for you. Let's see, according 
Acquire.net, which I've never heard of, so I don't know what their slant is. I think they say that there's currently 26 deaths, more than 12,000 injuries, and 20,600 people have been detained so far since the start of these protests. Does that sound about right? Yeah. I think they're really trying to avoid more deaths, uh, but most of those deaths happened in the first weeks. And there was a period when it seemed that the police were specifically targeting people's eyes. There's a lot of blind people get shot in the... Because it's rubber bullets, but a lot of people are getting shot in their eye. And there was... uh, Oh, wow. Yeah, there's a lot of... I don't know, that's the statistic we should have, but it's over 100 or 200 people have lost an eye. And it's it, it really appears like it was a an effort of the police to hit people's eyes as a way of scaring people from going to the pro- protests. Jesus um, Christ. Yeah. And uh, the deaths that happened in the very few first days were brutal. I mean, there was... People were burned... And hung from nooses. Uh, there was a girl who was a clown, uh, kind of a beloved clown of the city that the police targeted and hung her up with a noose. There was and there were some people stripped naked. There's been a lot of rapes of the police against the people. People are really afraid of the police, and when you get detained, there's. Uh, there was there's a lot of crazy stuff. I mean, there's men and women have been raped by the police, so, and it's really it's you, you really don't want to get detained because you don't know what will happen to you. Well, wow. I mean, have you been safe? Like, how about your family? Well, my wife was really involved in participating in the protest. She puts up posters, and she's going. She goes close to the front line. The front line is the people who are taking the bullets and holding shields and trying to keep the tear gas from spreading into the big crowds of people. And she she never is like really goes to the very front of that. She's really close. And uh, yeah, luckily nothing's happened to any of us. I was staying home with my kid most of the time uh, and letting her going out. But uh, I mean... I did get tear gassed, and uh, it's scary, especially when it's harder to breathe and you can't see. Things get disoriented, and you know, as the police are coming, there's some people who get trapped in a way, uh, and they shoot you with water cannons. I was walking home uh, the sec the the week after the weekend after the first week uh, from I was babysitting all the nieces and nephews at their house, and the public transportation didn't work. Because it was uh, Friday night after the protest, I was walking home, and people were just leaving the protest, and the police came by in a big tank and started shooting water at us. I was maybe five people behind me, just uh, you know, like uh, three feet behind me. People got hit with water, but I was I ran and turned the corner. But you don't want to run either because that gives. Uh, the people who run are the guilty ones. So as soon as you run, you're a target. Because if you didn't do anything wrong, then you shouldn't be running. But oh, they're shooting you yeah. water at you. So you see people walking, getting shot with the water because they don't want to make oh, themselves a target. But I ran and I turned around the corner. I, I made a live 
stream on Facebook during this oh, time, that's kind actually. Of, that log is kind of akin to, like, here in America, if a cop shoots someone, they say, like, well, you shouldn't have resisted. Yeah. Bullshit like that. Yeah, like that. You know, if, if you're running, then it, you must have done something. Yeah. And in, your, in all your travels around the world, have you ever been in a situation like this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was in uh, Istanbul the year after the re- the failed revolution. Uh, there was a anniversary, one year anniversary, and I was playing music in the street, and there was tear gas. The protesters were fighting the police. I was ran with my instruments and my band. We hid in a store. They closed the doors, and then an hour later. I went home and all the bricks were torn out of the ground and there was things burning around and tear gas in the air. So that's that was my first oh, time with tear dude. gas. But in Chile, there's uh, protests every week. Before this, uh, in the city, activists are trying for, to gain uh, things for the people. And so in Chile, if you just go shopping downtown... You'll smell tear gas occasionally because, I mean, usually you never turn into the protest because they, they happen and they get dispersed, but they're dispersed from the tear gas. So right. I'm, 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 I have uh, two tear gas canisters I brought back from Chile. <laughs> Wait, they let that come through customs here? Well, they were used and you can't really tell what it is. It's just a little teeny metal pod that they shoot from a gun. Uh oh. It's about an inch wide and a Oh, sorry. Well, I imagine canisters. No, they're like little. It's like a smoke bomb almost. You shoot it from like a shotgun. And and, this is why they're trying to like shoot in your eyes and shit. Well, they have other. They have like rubber bullets that they shoot in Uh, the eyes. These they can also shoot at you, but they're supposed to shoot it into the air, and it falls down into the crowd, and it only lets off uh, smoke for like one minute, and then it runs out. You know, so they're more just like the first tear gas they lay. Is that it's just to kind of you can shoot it out and build something. And they have bigger canisters too. Yeah. That, well, and so, since you're obviously a foreigner, foreigner there, an American, has there been any particular way you've been treated since the protests? As an American? Yeah, especially because you know America's involvement. Yeah. With well, some of my uh, friends, they don't have a problem with me, but uh, there's definitely just like snide remarks or uh about me being a, like a fucking american or like my kind of like n- c- commenting on my privilege or something like uh a little little bit of tension about that i mean everybody knows that i'm like a left wing person and for the uh if I had voted for, like, Trump, for example, I'm sure Ooh. that I would not be welcome in... Actually, I don't think you'd con- be there, period, actually. Right. I mean, I, if you're the kind of person who votes for Trump, you should just stay in your little village and never leave it. You should probably you're not, die, You're actually. not really welcome anywhere in the world. That's a good thing. I mean, we shouldn't welcome them here either, but that's the way it goes. Yeah, like, none of your friends ever say, like, oh, hi, CIA. Uh, no, they, <laughs> I mean, they just, like, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it's, 
it's privileged stuff, you know, they kind of like, there's a little bit of jealousy in that come it just comes out like in something and I, it's totally understandable like you know there it's like oh yeah you want to be part of the revolution or something but like it doesn't really you can always leave like this is like our life and we have we can't well, it's part of yeah. we we are fighting for it i mean you technically have left but you're gonna go back there yeah in a week or two yeah yeah but like i could just show just up never go back just you know? show up and what hey, happens in back. chile does affect the rest of the world but uh, you could escape from it, but the conditions that will be determined of how this government will be structured and how people live there will be... In for, oh, forever. yeah, I mean, especially if you look at other countries like Bolivia. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, don't worry. Okay, I just pretty much got one last question, cool. and I guess we can wrap up this podcast. Yeah, I guess uh, based on your own observations and from you living there, um, can you predict how this is all going to end? Well, I think that we're in a really, and we're in a final stand for the people uh, all over the world. In Lebanon and Hong Kong and Chile, all over Latin America, uh, and Iran, Fran- Iraq. France, France recently. France. So... We're, we need a change, we need a big change, and uh hasn't happened yet, and it's all up in air. I mean, uh it's, the most realistic thing is probably negative and pessimistic, and, uh but it's not really worth to think about uh the most realistic outcome. It's better to... Focus on using whatever resources and privilege you have and trying to make that change happen now. Uh, and when when it doesn't succeed, then, uh, yeah, it's we're more fucked. We, climate change and governments, they'll, they'll, pe- people are scared and the right thing to do is stand up for working people and the general population of the world and not for the 1% and the people who are controlling everything. We, we need people to make decisions and lead uh, and be in charge of production of resources and Seize the means of everything. Production. But uh, it's... Uh, hopefully we can... Uh, hopefully Chile holds force and makes the changes that we'll need and the rest of the world can follow. All right. Well, uh, actually, I do have one more question, and it's actually probably the most important question in this podcast, and it's definitely, without a doubt, the most more important than what's going on in Chile right now. You ready for it? What do you think about the candy canes in Bronson Park? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw them, I if I think they're ugly. For those who don't know, there's been a big hullabaloo about the candy canes in Bronson Park. The new ones are very plain, very gentrified looking, and they don't cross on top of each other to make an actual lane. And the residents of Kalamazoo, like the residents of Chile, have come together to battle this, and they got the old canes back. I think there's some... Are they all up? Oh, well... Or they put some of the old canes up. 
Oh, they put... Actually, uh, Zach, they put in some of the old ones back, right? Yeah, I saw it downtown. I think there's like a row of old canes in the middle of the park. Yeah. But like all of the new canes are up. Um, yeah, I think that those are symbolic of the... How we are making these less... How can you say it? <laughs> they, they look ugly and they suck and they're really expensive. But we build ugly-ass buildings now. <laughs> things used to look nicer. Things used to be better quality. And that's how it is. At so. least we got candy canes. So, so you see folks out there in the world from Hong Kong to France to Chile. If we can win our revolution, so can you. <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, I believe that's the end of this podcast. Right. Uh, I can tell you're ready to go, man. I got to pee again. Okay. Uh, you want to quickly uh, wanna talk some promo here? Where can we find your music? Oh, yeah. Uh, you, you could hear the Chilean song that I did at soundcloud.com slash skojani. That's S-Z-K-O-J-A-N-I. And you'll be able to find our new album on Spotify and blah, blah, blah. If you look for Hate Hot Club, that's H-E-T-H-A-T Club. H-E-T-H-A-T Club. That's Bandcamp, SoundCloud, Spotify, Facebook, Instagram, everything. And I'm Kjartan Code. K-J-A-R-T-A-N Code. You can find me and my projects on all of the social media. Yep. Uh, you just want to run to the bathroom, I'll finish this all up. Sure. And he's off. <laughs> all right, I'll catch up with you in a sec. All right, folks, and uh, that is the podcast. Uh, thanks to Charton for being on. And uh, thank you, Zach, for hosting again. You got it, buddy. And we will... And before this all happened, we trying to we're currently trying to upload my next great novel, Golden Blood Harmony. Hopefully we will get this shit going, you know, right after this. And thank you all for uh listening. You can uh find find this uh podcast available on uh Anchor, YouTube, Internet Archive, Breaker, Spotify. Support the podcast, listen to it. And you can, of course, find all everything about me at garrettshalky.tumblr.com. Uh, oh, God. I should have mentioned that when I was mentioning the podcast. Yeah. You can find the page at the Garrett Shalky Podcast page on Facebook. YouTube at Shalky Podcast. Yeah, I think we're good to go. Charton will be back in a sec from his quick bathroom break. Yeah, uh, hope, alright folks, hope you have a good day, and here's the outro song. This song goes out to the whole Takazuka crew and the original Melon Boy, you know who's who. Yeah.
for all Grab a slice when you take a bite 